Hello, my friend. I am Mr. X Dreams, your guide in this place that lives in the twilight between the waking world and the dream world. You're now listening to the Dreamer Cast. Here we explore the stories and ideas that, I believe, connect all human beings across both space and time. Monsters, magic, gods and ghosts, the multiverse. There is more to this existence than meets the eye. But I tell you the truth, friend. Stay with me, and you and I will together witness the birth of new worlds. Welcome to my realm. Welcome to the DreamerCast. Hey there, my dreamers. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to drop me a nice five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps me out, and I would appreciate it very much. And by the way, if you have a paranormal story of your own that you'd like to share here on the DreamerCast, head over to my website, MrXDreams.com. That's M-R-X-D-R-E-A-M-S dot com, where you'll find a story submission page along with links to my merchandise, YouTube channel, and other ways to support the show. If this is your first time here, welcome, my friend. I'm glad to have you. If not, welcome back, my dreamer. I want you to open your mind, listen and consider these stories and their implications. Understand that the machinations of this world may be stranger than you once believed. Now, let's get into some stories and discussion here on the DreamerCast. My friends, what you are about to hear is a fascinating, chilling story. And it's one that I've spoken about before. Real quick, I want to give you a short synopsis of it before we get into the interview itself. This story is about Lou, a New Yorker, a guy who works on Wall Street, who happens by chance across the path of two bizarre creatures, humanoids that have the ability to manipulate time and space around him. And these two creatures happen to be interested in a particular homeless man in an alleyway. If you haven't heard my story on YouTube about this, it's called Alpha Class Cryptids. Check it out if you want to hear my own rendition of the story that I got from Lou several years ago by now. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the interview. Alright my friends, welcome to another episode of the DreamerCast. Now, today, we have a guest here that I honestly never thought I'd hear from again, and I'm more than pleased to know that not only is he alive and well, but he's right here on the DreamerCast, ready to share a fantastic story firsthand. Now this this story was one of the most jaw-dropping, mind-shattering accounts I'd ever received in my time as a storytelling YouTuber. And uh, if you recall, I actually created a new term for the entities in question here, for better or for worse, I called them alpha-class cryptids. Bizarre creatures with powers and abilities to manipulate time and space, working unseen in the shadows before our very eyes, and using human beings as pawns in some kind of grand scheme. So today, I give you the man 
who witnessed the goings-on behind the veil one time and lived to tell the tale. My dreamers, please welcome Lou. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Lou, for um, agreeing to this interview. I sent you an email uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, honestly, when someone, I think, I think you contacted me the first time, maybe uh, sometime 2016, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and norm- normally that just uh, it it doesn't. I don't really get responses when I reach out to someone who contacted me three years ago. But I was like, you know what? I'm doing the DreamerCast. Why would I not? How could I not? at least try to contact one of the individuals who gave me one of the craziest stories out of any of them that I've ever gotten. And uh, I, I'm so glad that you responded. I definitely appreciate you reaching out again. It's just weird because it's something that um, I never, I didn't really think I was going to revisit this either. You know, it's been so long. And like I said earlier before we started recording, it's in the interim I've done my best to try to rationalize. You know, this is this is something that I've had to come to terms with, um, whether real or not. This, this is etched into my memory forever. This is something that still, you know, it, it, it still pulls at me whenever I'm in that part of town, you know, um, or whenever I'm by myself walking by uh, a, a lonely alley or, Alcove in the city, because I mean, I don't, if you've been to New York, you know how labyrinthine it can get. Oh yeah, especially in Lower Manhattan. Yeah, I've I've been through there a couple times as an adult, but I was actually born in Queens, grew up for oh. a little bit up there. I don't know. That's that's actually where I live now. But um. Yeah, so you're still you're still up up there in the mix, but no no sightings of of these bizarre creatures since then. I'm I I hope right. No, I mean. There, I've definitely had other experiences. Nothing quite as intense as this, um, but uh, but no, not not like this. And those are gonna be conversations for another day. But like this is, this was the, the big one. Oh yeah, you know? and let's let's get into that. I I I'd like to hear because we got we we spoke for a few minutes before this uh, we started recording. But uh, there's a bunch of things that we're going to discuss afterwards. But let's take everybody through from your perspective this time. Um, what happened on that day somewhere around Zuccotti Park? Am I right? Well, I mean, God, it's been so long, too. Um, it was funny because in, in the story, um, I like that. Uh, I was depicted as sort of like a, a well-to-do, like banker type. Um, in reality, I'm I'm a pretty blue collar. Like, yeah, I, I worked in the financial district for years, but I work as a support staff. I work as everything from a file clerk to a porter. I I'm on the ground level, hmm. which is why I move around a lot. You know, I. It's a constant hustle, a constant hustle, and I, you know, I think that's that's what kind of made me sort of extra sensitive to people being sort of ignored, because I was constantly in an environment where things were happening around me, um, sort of being in it while not being in it, being someone that, you know, is is sort of taken for granted because I do the the menial support tasks that 
the guys in the suits don't, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and that's what made me extra sensitive when, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hustling to get to and from where I got to go to the next job, to the next appointment, to the next thing. Cause you know, as a contractor, if you, if you're late, if you miss like that's it, you can get replaced. You can't stop moving. And, you know, I, I felt for the people um, protesting and as much as I wanted to be there with them, the reality of it was like, while my heart was there, you got, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't risk um, losing. I couldn't risk having to start from scratch and, um, you know, with another agency, with another, uh, with another, uh, client company um and so it was very much like head down get through head down get through um and stepping over people that had no other choice than to be there like they weren't just there to protest they weren't just there to be seen they were there because that's where they they could be um and it it, it kind of destroys a little part of yourself when you know that somebody else is hurting but you can't help and you have to make yourself okay with not being able to help um and maybe maybe that was the headspace that i was in when this happened hmm. but you know it, it's it's what happened um and at the time the things were were so big in terms of the protests uh around the park that there was no way to get through to get to the yellow train so you know, I had to get on the Fulton Street stop, and I was like, you know what? I can't hang through this crowd and have to go around it. And it sucks because I'm going to be late. Um, you know, and, and, and keeping that in my mind. Um, in that particular day, I had that same thought, and I had that same sort of like drive. But, um, you know, thankfully, the only place I had to get to was home. But even then, I was like, I better get home. Mm -hmm. Um and I remember just not wanting to deal with anything and dipping into that corner and, you know, seeing folks with their signs and with their hands out, like that's, sadly, it's something that you get, you have, that you end up growing a thick skin around, um, in the rat race, you know, and, you know, that it, it happened again. Um, it's funny because that little alley was a place that, uh, that I would duck through, um, uh, regularly to, to get over to, to the right stop. Uh, consulting's a hub, right? So there's, there's different, uh, different lines that could have taken, uh, to get to Queens. Um, and my headspace was completely there in the mundane, you know, and, uh, and, it, and there was that young man with a sign. Um, I think if I remember correctly, he was, he was a vet. Um, if you have one of those signs, it's like the, I'm pretty sure you've seen them, um, or like, this is it, like, most of the cardboard is full of, with, with, with words, basically. Um, and, you know, and, and it gets hard to even, even if you could slow down and stop, like, being able to read all of that, you know. Um, so, that was sort of the first thing that stood out. You know, I'm walking towards this person and I'm looking at his sign and I keep thinking to myself, I was like, man, that's, that's a lot. I remember reading all of it 
and sort of that's kind of when it hit me when I was like, wow, like I, how did I have time going at the clip that I'm going to read all of this? And I'm I'm still like a few yards away from this person. Hmm. And that's and yeah, and, and that's when I was like, wait, I'm not really moving at the speed that I want to move. And this is weird. Um and you know, it's hard it it's hard not to dissociate in a situation like that. And as somebody who has um um has an anxiety disorder, um, dissociation happens sometimes. Um, when you're in the middle of an attack, and I was like, Oh, it's, it's this again. Um, what do I what do I do now? This sucks. I hope nobody sees me like this. Um and everything was just sort of like as if I was moving through molasses. Um, and so as much as I felt bad for the guy, I was like, all right, well, that sucks, but I need to get myself out of here if I'm really feeling this sick, you know? Um, and I remember thinking that and looking up and noticing for the first time the man in brown. And I knew there was something up just in the way that he, he walked and the way that he veered off. Not that people don't use alleyways like that, like I said, to just like cut through. But that was, uh, it was sort of like he was meandering, but not like tourists do, you know? Um, they, they kind of like stop to look around, see what there are, and check out their phones, et cetera. No, he was, he was hunting. You know, I remember thinking that very clearly. I was like, this dude's looking for something. What's he doing? Like, um, and he was walking straight toward me. And I kept thinking, man, when this, whatever this is, and this dizzy spell is over, and I realize that I'm going at the right speed, I'm going to crash into this guy, and it's going to suck. Like, I'm, I'm going to look like an asshole. This is just going to be super embarrassing. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and then everything started to slow down. And I started panicking because I was like, all right, am I dreaming? Is this, is this, is this a real thing? Am I just, am I going to wake up now? Like, am I in bed right now? Did I fall asleep at, at work? Did I, am I late? What is this? Um, and I know before we, we started recording, we were talking about like, the difference between a dream and a memory. And I was living in that space of like, is this real? Is this not real? Um, and I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe, maybe that's why I can't move. Maybe I'm just frozen like this. And then he tipped his hat back. <sighs> Sorry. Um, no, you're you're good, man. I I I understand. And I was like, "All right, I am one hundred percent dreaming. Something. Maybe I messed up my meds or something. I don't know. This this is weird. Because up until that point, right? This is a regular dude, like." You get like the mid-level pencil pusher type dudes uh, in the financial district. Um, you know the guys that like didn't quite age out, um, didn't quite get promoted, and they just sort of like he was. I mean, I could say unassuming, but that's like eh, that doesn't really quite get it. Like the dude was so plain, hmm. so plain, like cons- conspicuously like, plain somehow. Yeah, like I 
the more I looked at him, the more I was like, how does nobody, like, the more I looked at him, the weirder he got, you know? But, and up until that point, up until I saw his face, like, I would have just walked right by him, you know? Well, all right, this is, it's kind of weird, but whatever. And that's the first time to see somebody just, you know, who's doing their best. But, um, and it wasn't like he had, like, some sinister look or whatever. Like, it was blank. It was blank. It was nothing. Mm. There was nothing there. It was just a white face and black eyes. And and, and I remember, like, that registering, that, that clicking. It was, like, black eyes. Like, um, you know, I was like, why would you be dressed like that? Like, why would you be like one of these salary guys, like putting a square of contacts in? That's weird. But like, you know, people, they're actors and stuff. People are creative. Maybe he's just, you know, maybe he's expressing himself. I, I don't know. But I, my, my, my mind viscerally was like, all right, this is weird, but this is, this is okay. Everything is okay. Nothing's wrong. You know, I was trying really hard to just, just give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh my God. I was trying so, so, so hard to reconcile what I was, what I was seeing with what my hind brain was screaming at me to run. But like I couldn't, I couldn't, there was a lot of like very pointedly ignoring what my body was doing. And the, the real frustrating part of the part where like, like the panic started really rising was when I was looking around myself and like, there were other people there. There were other people there and they were just walking by. And nobody looked up from their phone. Nobody looked aside. It's like I and the gun brown coat weren't even there. And like on the one hand, I was like, holy shit. But on the other hand, like, when you live in New York, like the, the stuff that you just have to push past, I wasn't really surprised, but a little bit, like a little offended, you know, um, you know, um, but brown coat didn't care about me at all either. You know, it was weird because we were right in each other's line of sight. But um, totally ignored me too. He just crouched down, and the dude with the um, with the sign looks up to him, and you know, and usually, um, someone who's who's out uh, down and out like that, like when somebody finally gives them attention, like kind of glomp on them, um, and try to latch on, but this kind of frozen um and before he could like say anything like the man in the brown hat just like brown coat he just like pushes puts his finger to his lips and then they start talking and they start talking and i can't hear them everything was coming in and out i thought maybe it was my headphones i took i tried to take my 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 ear pods out but like i couldn't move my my 
stands. And what even is that? Um, yikes. And so there he was, um, just talking to this person. And um, it was like, it's kind of like static, but not really. It was just kind of muffled. It was just like, like, you know, when your head's underwater. You know, when you hear the water more than you hear other stuff. Um, it was like that, um, like over and over and over again. Um, and like, I was like, is this still an attack? But I didn't have vertigo or anything. So I'm like, what the hell's going on? Um, and they're talking and they're talking. And I remember that I was still moving, but I wasn't really gaining much ground. And I just kept thinking somebody say something, do something to somebody. And then the next thing I know, I hear, I hear the kids say, oh, Jesus. Um, the the stays on me is like, I want to die. Like he like recoiled from the guy. Like, Wait, I, I don't, I don't want to die. And I was like, oh, what is going on here? What? This weird looking dude has said some stuff. Then I started thinking of like, you know, some of the stuff that I read online and like saw about like black eyed kids. And I was like, oh, maybe is this like, is this one of those things? Is that what I'm seeing? But this is not, this is not a child. This is a grown up thing. This is this is very clearly an adult thing. And then I was like, oh shit, I'm 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 using the word thing. I'm not even using the word man. Um, because like his skin was so off, like it wasn't like it was white, but like I don't you know when you, it, it was ash colored, really. The, the 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 white the white part of the ash. Um and just and it was hard to see, like, I, I just, I, I couldn't tell if, and then this, this messed me up too. It was like, I couldn't tell if, like, is that his eyes were black or that he just didn't have any. Like, Damn. I, yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there looking at this, like, ah, oh, oh, Lord, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm fairly religious. Um, uh, I'm Muslim. And I just, reciting uh surah uh Fatia and you know um uh <laughs> just asking God to you know um uh, protect me um, um we say a little bit of the regime um which means I seek refuge in you Lord from Satan uh, to deceiver, and I was just kept thinking that over and over in my head. I was like, "Oh Lord, please, like whatever this is, and this is some shaitan. I, I want to get away from this." And he goes, I, "I finally hear him, and like, oh, that voice, shit, that voice. It was so ugly, man. It was so." There's no other way to put it. It's ugly. He like had like, you know, it, it wasn't quite a chuckle, but you know that kind of like that, that tone you get when like somebody says something ridiculous, and you're like, oh really? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Kind like, of incredulous, like. Yeah. 
And I remember exactly how they put it. They was like, you're going to die anyway, Robbie. And the kid, like, his eyes went wide. And he was like, he literally, if he could go through the wall behind him, he would have. Like, the, the fear. And the guy, again, like, his tone was super, like, kind of mocking, you know? But his face was devoid of any kind of expression or emotion. It was all in that ugly voice. It was so gross. Oh, God, this was so gross. Hmm. Uh, like, even now, like, I'm... Uh, um, I wish I, I I can't describe it. I know you made like in, in the in the video you made those noises. It was really cool, but there was nothing cool about this. It was so cool. Yeah, I, I did so the best cool. I could with oh you know, God, a little so, artistic license. I had my friends listen. They're like, "Oh man, it's spooky." But this, no, I'm glad you uh, enjoyed it. If I I I can't put words to how terrible it felt to hear that and just the way the way he regarded him like like this this kid's fear was just the most ridiculous thing the most ridiculous and i don't even know what he said like but it was something along the lines of like do you want to die comfortable like do you want to I just like it, it, it's crazy because I remember his voice, but I remember his exact words. But it was like the question is, do you how do you want to die? Do you want to die comfortable and wanting of nothing? I was like, that's not even the good way people talk wanting of nothing or here in this. It's the way he said that in this, where no one's going to notice until you've been rotting. And again, like that terrible tone, like he was talking to him, like he was talking to like a stupid kid who said something, but his face, nothing, no emotion, nothing. And I was like, okay, dude's wearing a mask. The dude is wearing a mask. He's got to be wearing a mask. That's disturbing. Couldn't have been, because like the next thing I know, I realized that I was closer now. I'm like, I'm way too close to this. I really don't want this person to see me. And like... Were you able to sort of veer away in one direction or the other to kind of steer yourself away from them? Or you were just stuck on the track that you were before? Nope. That would have been super cool if I had veered out of the way. I would have turned right around and run the hell out of there. <laughs> nah, I, could, I couldn't. Couldn't stop my feet. I couldn't stop going. Couldn't stop. It was crazy. It was like swimming. You know, when you try to like run through water when you still have clothes on. It's like that. It's like, oh, I can't I stop. Mm-hmm. And then I hear another voice, and it was like that one, just a little bit more high pitch. And I, if I could, if I could run, I would have run right there. Like I don't, I don't know how I didn't just have a heart attack. It's crazy. Um, all of a sudden, there's this other dude, and he's like maybe a head taller um, than, than Brown. He must have been because he was taller than me. Mr. X, I'm 6'2". This dude was 
definitely taller than me. And it was just like with a brown shirt, dude. Like, you know, just this ugly suit, plain, ugly suit. You know, usually like you wear a suit and you got like the white shirt with the tie. Everything was gray. The shoes, the tie, the shirt. Same thing with brown. Everything. Oh. And I was like, what the hell? Did they just like look at a catalog, category, a catalog of like, this is what people look like. <clears throat> because I swear that's what it felt like. And he looked just like brown. Just thinner. Just a, a little bit stretched, if you could. If, if, if that makes sense. Like just taller and a little thinner. Hmm. And you know, I was, I remember, I think, was, I think he was smoking because there was like, there's a little flicker of like an ember around his mouth. Um, and before I could sort of like register everything, like that thing starts talking. And he wasn't even looking at the kitty that he was just like, take the money. We have things to do. Like he was, like, like the guy in brown was clearly like messing with this kid. Like he, was, he had, he had this tone, like, like, like he, he clearly wanted to hurt this person. The guy in gray, the guy in gray, sounded like he just, he really did have a bunch of other stuff to do, and was just coming to pick up his boy. Like, like he, like he wanted this truth. So totally, so he, he didn't actually care about that situation. It's just like, take the money. He was just there. It just happened to be there. We have things to do. So I remember like his, his hmm. he didn't say much. Like Brown was, was, was talking Jeez. and he was a little talker. And I just, I couldn't hear what he was saying because it was all, a lot of it wasn't English because those weren't, those weren't sounds that people make. I live in New York. I know different languages. I mean, I'm Puerto Rican. I know Spanish, um, or at least our type of Spanish fluently. Like I, I have friends and family from all over. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> an like important distinction there. Speak like we do, uh, but I love them. <laughs> you know, and like my uh, my friends, like I have a really diverse group of friends mm. and family, and you know, you could pick out a language. You know, this this wasn't. The people don't make those mm. noises. They don't make those sounds. It was gross. But Gray didn't talk a lot. So like everything Gray said just it stuck. Like I remember everything Gray said perfectly. Because he didn't talk a lot at all. But the brown <sighs> take the money, Robert. We have things to do. We have things to do, like just like what what things? What are you what are you doing? More of this, like what do you what are you what are the things? And like it was crazy because like mm. you know Brown, I know Brown had just this like wad of cash, just gave him this wad of cash, and like the kid went from like abject fear, right, to like went from abject fear to. Uh, just being overwhelmed by the sheer amount he was looking at. Like, those were hundreds. 
you know, and you know how thin paper money is. And this was like two fists. Yeah. Two fists deep. He was he just started crying. He was like, like any fear that he had melted because he was, I mean, I get it. I get it. That much money, shit. My ass is struggling with minimum wage, man. I don't know. Like some crazy entity gives me that much money. I don't know if I would say no. You know, and that sucks to even think. But like, man, times is tough, and I get it. I get it. But at the same time, it's like mm. I couldn't help but think, like, what? What's the cost? What's the cost? How desperate do you got to be to ignore just how much danger you're in? Because make no mistake, that was that was that was definitely danger coming off of it. And he clearly he clearly felt it up to that point. But he just, I guess he was so easily distracted by that, the temptation he there. Just, he, he books it. And it's, I hate myself for this, but like, there was that moment where he, like, runs out, and I'm like, oh, cool, you get to run. And I was moving faster, but I was still moving, and oh, geez, that's when he took the money, he, he left. And he took the money, he, he took the he money, right? He couldn't get out of there fast enough. And they watched him leaving. And since he watched by he walked by me, they both looked at me. You know when they say that, like people like you know, you feel like somebody's looking through you? Yeah. Except for Gray. Like Brown had this whole like smarmy, oily, like kinda haughty mocking air to him. Gray, everything about gray was hateful. Like I can't even describe it any any other way. Because he just kept smoking what his cigarette, I guess, because it was just like this little bit of ember. I can actually see a cigarette it's like it's just there was just little bits of flame around his mouth. And um you know he was just as derisive, like the way that Brown was talking to Robbie, he was regarding Brown when he spoke in that whatever it is language. Like, it was clear that, like, he had a contempt for Brown. To the point where, like, even though they were looking at me, they didn't, it was clear they didn't care about me. Hmm. Because they were literally looking through me and clicking and <sighs> making those sounds at each other. And finally, like, it's crazy because, like, Brown just kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And he stood up and he, like, looks at Gray and he, like, starts coughing and he said very, very, very clearly he said English. And then Gray, oof, it's like Gray's mouth split open. It was the worst, the worst thing I ever, I ever saw in my life. <sighs> and like, mm. the sound he made, it took me years to like really I'm pretty sure he was laughing at him because he was all like, the next thing I, I, I remember him saying is that far gone. Like, like he pitied Brown. Like Brown was this colossal screw up. The way he looked at him like, ugh, that far gone. And then 
Bruce starts sort of like rolling his shoulders. He's super uncomfortable. He was like, you know, like when, when, when teenagers get like huffy at their parents. You know, that, that whole like, yeah, he's, mm. and then he even started sounding, he sounded so like a person at that moment because he was like, whatever. And I was like, Get two seconds ago, you were this like unknowable creature from God knows where, and now you're like, whatever, what, what? But before he could like start, like before he could follow that up, Gray stopped looking through me and started looking at me, and that's when I couldn't move at all. There was no more slow-mo. I was a rubber statue. And he just kept staring at me. And it was like he was staring at me forever. I, I, I can't tell you how much time I was there. I don't know if it's two seconds. I don't know if it's two hours. But it felt like forever. Mm. And it was terrifying. And... I could feel my eyes start to like sting and bring with tears, but like I didn't actually cry. I was just like, oh shit, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. This thing is looking at me. And he just kind of does that that disgusting laugh again. He's like, he said something along the lines of, well, now. Like, oh, uh -uh. he says, look what this one can do. And this is like like this long pause and finally just goes cute. But not like he was saying that to me. Like he was looking at Brown like almost to check if he had said the right word. You know? Like, is that yeah. what I'm supposed to say? You know, like like he wasn't regarding me, he was regarding Brown. And Brown was just so hmm. prickly. So he just just he was done. He had come to do what he wanted to do. That far gone, huh? It was crazy because I remember when he said that far gone. Um, and, and, sorry, I'm just remembering this part now because, like, oh, shit, those eyes. Um, I remember when Brown was being, like, petulant. He, he like, said something to, to Gray. It's hard because it kept coming in and out. And Gray, of course, just there was a, there was so much spite and hate that he was just sort of radiating towards Brown. And he said something, he's like, it'll be fine. Like, don't worry, you know. And Gray just kind of takes some pause and he's like, yeah? Then why did you lie? Like the fact that Brown lied about something mm -hmm. was just like it was the most pathetic thing to Gray. <laughs> like Gray was, and that's that something the what whatever that lie was about was not revealed to you in the context of the story, correct? Nope, not even a little bit. I, that's something I've always wondered about because, and it sort of lended itself to the the just gritty realism of story even though it's such a fantastic and out there concept there's things going on between these two that you have no idea about and they don't care to educate you on you know not even a little bit i was i was nothing to them 
I'm not saying. I'm just nothing. It's like, why'd you lie? I'm like, fuck. Oh. Brown's like, does it matter? He was like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'll be wearing that shit by the next moon. I'll be wearing that shit by the next moon. Like, I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And they're both looking at me. And Gray's all like, cute. Like, is that what I'm supposed to say? And Brown was so pissed. Like, he he was done. He had been done since the moment Gray arrived. And the next thing I know, I don't know how he, he traversed the three or so yards it was. Um, it had to be about 10 feet away from me. And the next thing I know, he was like, right in front of me right in front of me and he was still talking to, to gray he was just like whatever again whatever like like a kid like like a person whatever like a chimps a chimps a chimp they're all the same and like they said some other stuff to each other so i don't even know what it was they, they said it's, at one point i remember hearing the word vermin but I couldn't really process because it was all happening in front of me. And the next thing I know, like, he's talking to me. Talking to me. And he's like, hey, you should leave now. And I was, I, I, what was I supposed to do? I couldn't do anything. I, I wanted to be like, bro, I can't move. <laughs> and then I remember thinking how ridiculous that sounded in my head. I was just like, bro, I can't move. Yeah. To this godlike <laughs> being. <laughs> you know? <laughs> No what I was like, listen, I, like if I could talk, like I was so close to being like, listen, but I can't. I wish I could. Whatever you did, maybe, maybe turn the pause button off because I'm trying to get out of here too. Like, what is up? Then I remember thinking, like, I just, I just wanted to walk through this. I just, this was just a shortcut. I just wanted to get home. And like, as I thought that, it, it, he kind of looks at me and he's just like, then keep walking. But the way he said it, it was like, it, just all the anger, all the, the resentment that he had built up against like Gray, like just rolled onto me. Just kind of, just kind of just puked it all on me. He's like, keep walking. And then I'm gonna come in the circle. That's a hike. That's a hike. It's a hike that you make on the train in like 20 minutes, right? 15 to 20. Sometimes a little bit longer if it's rush hour. And I was working part-time, so like it was not rush hour. This was, I had, I had clocked out. It was like two when I clocked out. And then this ridiculousness happened. And then the next thing I know, like I'm up at Columbus Circle. And it was just after three. Just, just after, and like I remember, like being upset because I had to leave work a little bit late. So, like, I actually punched out at like maybe like ten or fifteen after. I don't remember how how long. This was years ago. But I remember being pissed. I remember being pissed because I was running late. And, um, I lived up by Dittmar's back then. Um, now I'm closer to Flushing, but like. I realize that your listeners probably don't know what I'm talking about. I was, no, I'm, I was I'm sure north. a couple of them do. 
I mean, no, knowing the area, uh-huh. I, I actually, I actually yeah. looked up the distance between Zuccotti Park and Columbus Circle. It's like five and a half miles. Yeah, that is a hike. That's a, that's a hike. And like, boom, there I was. And like, the only reason I even came out of it was because like I was right about to get hit by a car. Like, I remember like then my next memory was that that cab almost hit me. And this guy's just like holding on to my shoulders. So my shoulders is like, oh, you okay? Like, you good? You good? And I remember this family of tourists walking by and like the dab's sneering me. It was like, he's on drugs, like to his, to his wife. And these people are all on drugs. Said, oh, yeah, because you see a brown man. And Let me stop. But like, <laughs> well, of course, yeah, I'm having a moment, but you know, it's gotta be the drugs. And I'm like, and I remember shaking and being like, that's what I'm upset about. <laughs> really, that's what I'm upset about. Yeah. Some racist asshole. Yeah, just because just a brown guy can oh. walk 65 miles per hour through uh, through New York <laughs> doesn't mean he's on drugs. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how I got there. Did I take the train? Did I grab a cab myself? Did I, well, I don't know. Mm. I mean, thankfully, the guy, the guy that, like, Pulled me away like he's um this is this is uh, skinny um uh, skinny older black guy like you remind me of some of the brothers from the mosque that I converted in back in the day like you know some of the you know the the, the old nation brothers with the with the, with the suits on with the little bow ties and papers yeah 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 he's <laughs> like you're right son like I don't know yeah real, you know what I'm saying like and I was I. Re- it was like the opposite of like, you know, because here it was like looking all clean cut. You know what I'm saying? Like very like very like warm paternal. It's like, hey, like you all right? So I'm like, you good? And I was like, ah, I gotta go. I got I gotta go. I was like, listen, I'm real sorry, like good looking out, like thank you so much. You know, um, it's a real good look, but I, I can't, I, I gotta go. I got and he's like, You good though? You good, son. I was like, nah. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm going to be real with I you right I... now. <laughs> I'm not nah. good, son. Oh, man. So I get home. I get home, and like I said, I'm just sitting down. And like, my, my wife at the time uh, texted me, and she was like, hey, where you been? <laughs> like, I've been texting you, and that's when I saw like she had been texting me. I was like, "I'm home now." I didn't even know what to say. She's like, "What's up?" I was like, "Ah, I got home." She's like, "When?" I was like, "Ah, I was asleep." And I remember convincing myself of that. I was like, "Yep, that's what happened. I was asleep totally. I went home. I fell asleep. That's what happened. That's what happened. That's what happened." So, so did you end up getting home uh, later than you were thinking, or I'm trying to make make the make sense of the timeline. Yeah. like a half like a half hour like, you know. so I, I i wonder i wish there was a way to, to know how long it took you to travel on foot that five and a half miles if i went on foot yeah if that is I what happened i don't even know so you just I'm you just remember there. just kind of a blur of walking and then you're no, there mr x no not not even there, not even that. Like this dude was in my face, told me to hit the bricks, and the next thing I know, I'm almost getting hit by a car up at Columbus. 
Like there was no, I just, I, I was there and I was like, how did I get here? You know? And like, I had to be real with myself. Cause I was like, yeah, clearly I must have, I must have walked. No, I don't even know. Like to be real with you right now, I don't even know. And that shit was scary. And you know what happens? Like you try to fill in the blanks. Yeah. You have to, you have to. So that story First of all, when I when you first sent me the story, I I don't tend to just believe people off top, you know, like when just them they say me they say something to me, they tell me a story and I'm just going to completely take it 100% seriously, take them at their word. But there was something about your story that communicated these just kind of raw emotions, the visceral fear and terror that you felt seeing these bizarre people or creatures or entities, whatever you want to call them. And the, the way that you wrote that, which by the way, thank you very much again for writing it in an intelligible way when you were first reaching out to me with that story, because it was so, it was very clear and conveyed the feelings that you felt. And it's kind of, I've mentally doubled down about this story from once I've, now that I've heard the entire thing with the emotions and the the feeling and the intent of your actual voice telling it. And I, I hope everyone else can appreciate that, especially those who heard my my rendition, my take of the story. Um, I do have to apologize for mistaking you for a white collar. I, I was just my assumption. I, I hear Wall Street and I'm like, oh, it must be some kind of high-powered businessman or something. Cause I'm sure nah. they even have those guys cleaning I'm, the bathrooms up there on Wall Street. <laughs> sometimes I'm uh, I'm the dude that wipes that dude's table off. Mm. Yeah. So well, yeah. That's I gave you a, I gave you a raise in the story. <laughs> gave <laughs> I you a know, promotion. Right? You were discovered. <laughs> I thought that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple of questions. Then we're going to talk about theories and and ideas, things that you've you've come across, epiphanies that you might have had, or anything like that in the years since then, because this was back in 2011. That's at this point at the time of this taping over eight years ago. And, um, Mm -hmm. so how did you feel physically when you were in that alleyway? Like the, I know you, you said it was almost like me moving through molasses, but I want to know the internal processes in, in your body, your blood pressure, you know, the pressure in your head, your eyes, how did it feel being there? I don't, I don't really understand. I'm sorry. For example, I've had sleep paralysis many, several times. Sometimes I, oh, a, yeah. a couple of those times Bang. I've woken up and I can't breathe. And for example, I can't, it's not just that I can't breathe, but I've felt that, you know, my entire, every cell in my body seemed to have been stopped in time. Mm-hmm. And my, I'm not just, I'm not just gasping or anything. My lungs are not moving at all. Neither is my heart or any other thing in my body, you know, like that, the the feeling, did you feel like paralyzed or was it, you were told you felt normal, but you just were moving in a strange way or you felt restricted moving. You know what I mean? It's just, I didn't, I'll be honest with you. I don't actually remember. I just remember walking as though walking through something like the air was like a solid thing that I would had to sort of push through. Mm. But like, I don't you know those um those like uh those like you know when you're at the at, at, like the um the airport and you're almost like 
expressway uh um like escalators but just like flat mm-hmm. yeah yeah people um, movers or whatever yeah, they like, call them yeah now imagine being on that in slow-mo and you can't turn around and you can't you can't move at all like i couldn't move i was just kind of going like i had i had committed to walking this way and my body was just doing that on autopilot as slow as you could oh man it was just it was it, it was it was it was infuriating because like I saw that like everything around me was going at normal speed and I was not. I just, uh, had a thought about this. Have you ever, have you ever, um, dropped something like say you're holding a glass jar or something and, and you drop it accidentally mm-hmm. and you look at it yeah. and you see the thing falling super slow or, you know, for, yeah. as an example, when I was a kid, I, I was, I was, putting away dishes and there was a glass like the top of a, of a big pan, like a, a pot top and it was made of glass mm-hmm. and I was drying it and I just, I guess I was distracted. I dropped it and I remember for, it seemed like about a good 10 seconds watching that thing slowly fall to the ground. And when it hit the ground, you know, like the type of glass that turns into little tiny chunks it it's like yeah. it shatters in that way not to create large i think it's like when tempered tempered glass um breaks it shatters into little chunks i saw the pattern of that shattering chunks of glass etch its way through the entire pan, uh lid of the pot before it actually separated i watched that happen Damn. and i was i was totally aware of this during the time and I could not move. I couldn't do anything to catch it. And I couldn't do like Spider-Man and grab it real quick in that little slow motion moment. Mm-hmm. I was just basically forced to watch and sit there. And I can tell you for a fact that that took place over like less than a second. But I remember a, a good 10 seconds of, of time. You know, it was probably like 0.3 seconds where that it took for me to drop that thing and it fall to the ground and break. I wonder if maybe this this all happened in an instant and you for some reason were able to perceive it in the same way like the 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 human brain is able to process things so much faster than we're normally aware of and that I wonder if that was not what happened to you that day you know what I mean I I definitely thought about that um to be honest I don't yeah it's that's definitely. I mean, the thing is, like, I I don't want to fabricate, right? Like, I I don't remember it, but that way, maybe. Yeah. But I don't want to say like that's exactly what it was. I don't. That sounds. That sounds positive. Yeah, I'm I'm just like throwing that. ideas out there because I I want to make as much sense of this as I possibly can. Because like like I said, I don't I don't always believe when people tell me I mean, stories, but but this one I would be shocked and disappointed. If I found out that, you know, I was being punked right now with this story and I, for the last three years, you know, oh, that sucks. yeah, yeah, I would, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think I, I would, I would, I wouldn't know how to react if I knew one way or another. On the one hand, like it exists in this space where like, I, I know what I experienced and I know what I remember. I know it, but it's one of the things where like, I haven't really, I haven't thought about it that much i haven't really revisited it until uh until like 
I felt the need to share it with you. But even after that, I pushed it out of my mind because the, the fear there is that if I dig into this too much, one of two things happens, right? You know, one, it's all fabricated, which, you know, you, you, maybe it was my mind doing this thing. And that, that sucks, but, you know, it, it means that that was a really serious break and that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Or it was real. And holy crap, the, the, the implications there. So, like, it's a lose-lose for me. No, I, I definitely feel you on that. It's... Jeez, <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't even know what the worst case... I guess the best case scenario is that you're crazy. Because then the rest of the world doesn't have to worry about these monsters, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that sucks for yeah, me. Yeah, it sucks for you, but, <laughs> I mean, you might have to take one on, for the team on that one. And, uh, it, you yeah. know, I mean, you, that would, it'd be a, you'd be a hero, <laughs> you know? But, <laughs> but this... It's the alternative uh, is something did happen and it was uh, external to you. It wasn't just occurring in your mind. What's that like? That, and that turns my stomach, honestly. That's, that's the thing that, that's the question that keeps me up at night sometimes. So you said, you said that you've, um, even, you've even been to therapy about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you make any revelations or epiphanies during that time? No, honestly, it was just, uh, ideas explanations one uh, one of my professionals said that i might have just been like a uh i may have been uh uh in a fugue state um somebody else said that it might have been a reaction to one of my meds except i didn't say anything but i was like yeah, i wasn't on anything at the time so uh we get a miss there but i don't want to make it a thing so sure mm-hmm. i doubt that there's a lot of uh, therapists out there that that would even consider the possibility of something like this being a real thing that's a thing that like it's there's a helplessness there that is hard to explain because on the one hand, like you kind of want an explanation, mm. you know, and like so you end up like sort of latching on to whatever's thrown at you because you don't want to like reconsider the alternative. But then like you have to do the you have to sorry um you gotta hedge your bets to one thing or another. And like for a while, I thoroughly convinced myself I was like, this is just your brain being bad to you, bro good this is not this is fine this wasn't a thing until i was a, until you know i'm alone with my thoughts and i'm like nah you know better and i'm like no it was just it was just a thing it was the, it's not it wasn't real except it's like who am i trying to fool yeah man no i believe me i i get it and this is this is another thing i wanted to um kind of throw at you about this you know i have i have one memory in particular involves i've told the story a couple times even i think even on another podcast episode i have a memory of my dad who was a who was a cop when i was younger of him being shot and i have a clear memory of that happening and me consoling my mother and seeing the the the, his uh damaged uh you know body armor and all this stuff this happened when i was 13 and just maybe like two or three years ago i mentioned it to my parents for the first time ever and they told me it never happened. And I'm an experienced dreamer. Dreaming is my my whole thing. You know what I mean? I know uh, the difference between dream and reality. And that was not a dream. That was reality. It happened. And even I even called my best friend at the time and told him that at that moment, like within hours of it happening, I called him and said, hey, yeah, man, my dad got shot. And he remembers me calling him and telling him that. So. My parents themselves are telling me that that never happened. So it's just, 
I know I know what it's like to have a memory, a, a real-world, real-time, detailed memory of something and be faced with the idea of it not being accepted by anyone other than yourself. You know, it's rough. I think writing to you was the first time that I actually said anything to anyone outside, just like professional. Because I was like, I, I, I can't talk about this. I mean, it was good because doing that made me, it, it made me, uh, it made it easier to reconcile. It made it easier to talk about later. Um, I remember uh, some time later, like a, about a month or so after that, I remember um, going to prayer services at the Islamic Center that I go to and um, just hanging out with some brothers afterwards, getting lunch. And the subjects turned to, you know, uh, to the paranormal. Um, and that, that's a thing that we do sometimes, just tell you know, what we call gin stories. Because, um, like, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but, like, part of my faith um, uh, involves belief in otherworldly beings. That's a big part of it. We believe that every any sentient life in the universe is either one of us, uh, an angel, or a jinn. And jinn means hidden one, other. The thing with that is that other can be anything. Like, I know that in the West, like, that word gets translated and you think about, like, you know, like Robin Williams and, you know, what have you, like, you know, genies and lamps. But for us, it's, it's, it's so much deeper and it's so much more than that. And so because it's such a blanket, it's such an umbrella term, like, that can mean anything. And I remember hearing some of these brothers' uh, experiences and I finally opened up a mind. Um, I remember the shake there that was with us. Was like, yeah, was, he definitely had a gin encounter, but like, I'm just, but what does that mean? He's like, sometimes it happens, brother. Sometimes that happens. And I'm like, but I don't know. Like, I, it's so scary. Like, what do I do about that? He's like, you can't really do nothing, man. <laughs> sometimes it's happened. We don't get to choose, really, when these things happen. It's about how you react to it. And I was like, well, we're at the floor. Like, because I didn't know what to do. And he was like, well, I mean, he said whatever a clergy person would say. It was like, hold on to your face. But like, but like, ha even having that answer and, and being able to talk about it definitely helped a lot. Um, but it still nags at me, you know. It's still, you know, okay, so I had a gin encounter, sure. What does that mean? Why could I see them? Why could they see me? In Islam, it's haram to look for them. Um because they're supposed to be all around you. Uh, we believe that everyone has a jinn. Everybody. Haram, haram meaning like forbidden, right? Or it's frowned upon. Yeah. Um, and part of, like, we believe that part of the human soul is is a jinn. Is you call the nafs. That's the your lower self, um, your shadow self. And so everybody deals with it, right? Everybody has part of them that wars with themselves. But sometimes it is external, you know. And you never know. One of the reasons that it's wrong to try to interact with these beings is because you don't know what you're going to get. You know, not every jinn is a shaitan, but every shaitan is a jinn. So you don't know. But I didn't go looking for anything. Shaitan, is that like 
Satan adversary obstacle that type of thing yeah 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 we believe that um when uh Satan fell he was of the jinn um but the first and most beautiful of them hmm. but his hatred of Adam got him cast out of heaven we don't believe in a war in heaven um there was no war Michael just said you're done and he was done Michael's the angel of finality angel of death and so when God said, can't be here no more, he just wasn't there no more. Hmm. Kind of makes sense logically. Like, you, you're done. you out. Um, but Shaitan and, and there was, when that happened, uh, a good third of his people sided with him and became his family and collectively vowed that they would destroy humanity to prove that we weren't worthy. But, you know. Yeah. There's actually a story. There's actually a story about um, one of Shaitan's uh, sons, um, who, when he found out about the Prophet Muhammad, he and his boys, they, he heard about him, vowed he was going to kill him, and he and uh, uh, a band of his of, of jinn were going to roll up on him and just destroy him. And uh, on the way over, he had heard him recite his prayers. And his supplication to God, and he found it so beautiful that he laid down arms and became Muslim and became his father's enemy. It's hmm. an interesting story. We believe that these entities, we believe that these entities are like us. They have free will. They can be terrible or not. Hmm. But it's one thing to talk about these things in theory and his stories and his myths and legends. It's another thing to be in front of something that like he can't explain. Yeah, something that seems like it belongs among those. It's it's crazy to think about the fact that, it, I mean, there very well could be, no matter what we think we know about the world or what science we are able to mm-hmm. to comprehend, there could be something just taking place right behind the world that we know. You know, I call it the veil. Beyond that veil mm-hmm. is where I believe you were at that moment and so many people so many people visit there and most of the time it seems like it's totally by accident you know like walking into a fairy ring mm. oh yeah i mean it's it, it i don't know if it's the location where you happen to be walking through or uh, you know you just walk through an area where that the the window between this world and the next was wide enough for someone to walk through accidentally. Maybe. I mean, they seemed super surprised to see me. Yeah. No, that's that's fascinating. I, I've even, I mean, over the years, people have, have um, I can't tell you how many discussions I've had with subscribers over on my YouTube channel about this story and what it might mean and what these, the, the, uh, these creatures might have, uh, been what their deal might have been. I mean, we've we've thought about yeah. why they what what they wanted with Robbie, and you, you know, putting the pieces of the puzzle together, connecting the dots, and yeah. coming to the conclusion. It seems like these creatures are using humans human skin as a disguise, maybe. Yeah. And maybe that that uh or or human bodies as a disguise. Like say, perhaps once upon a time, Brown looked like a normal person because he had a fresh 
chimp suit to wear. And this is getting old and it's getting, it's getting worn down. And therefore, he's unable to communicate with their, the language that they're supposed to be able to use. The one that was painful for you to hear. The one that was, was disgusting yeah. and terrifying. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like, he struggled to talk at all in any language. Whereas Gray was just back and forth like it was nothing. Gray was in his element. Gray looked like he he was super confident in what he was doing. Brown looked like he looked desperate. Hmm. So he was he like, was sort of trying to having that bravado with Robbie around, but when it was just him and Gray, it just he kind of he became was clearly, a little petulant. He was clearly the lower man on the totem pole there. Like that was clear as day. I got this sense that Gray. Almost like Gray was on an assignment that he'd been given that he didn't want to be on. Like somebody said, hey, Brown needs, Brown needs help, you know, somebody to watch his back. Gray, you go, go, uh, go with him while he goes to look for another suit. You know what I mean? I, I got that, that feeling. I mean, because I've been there. I've been on, you know, the reluctant escort of, uh, you know, of a junior in in various in various situations whether it's military or or otherwise and actually you're right like it did it did really seem like i mean not to put it that way it did really seem like uh like somebody picking up a kid from school you know like they didn't want to do it but you know i can i I keep thinking about like some of the times where like my stepdad would like pick me up from hockey practice and it was just really clear that he wanted to be anywhere else in the world that's such a such a thought-provoking story and there's and there's stories folded within that that we'll just probably never know the answers to never know. and it's it that's the thing that hurts you know yeah that's that's what sucks about it there's known unknowns and unknown unknowns all wrapped in this story you know where where are these things from what are they what are they doing what do they lie about yeah. goodness gracious like why did you lie about what Mm. And it and it didn't even you know I kind of mentally glossed over that him saying oh we have things to do until you mentioned like wait a minute what things what are you doing are you going to do this to someone else yeah you know, like what's like, what's what, going on what are these things that's the way you put so much weight on that word these things to do like everything else in the world is so much more important than whatever you're doing with this child yeah and and. Something tells me that whatever those things are, they were it's worse than what they're doing to Robbie, you know. Yeah. How scary is that? And the way he looked at me was like it was it was it was like when, when, when people like when they see a puppy and they're like, Oh, look at my hind legs, think these people oh like what the hell was that? I wasn't doing anything. Literally. What the hell was he talking about? Sorry, what the heck was he talking about? I I couldn't I was a statue. And he was looking at me like you do, like like when people see pretty fish in an aquarium, you know, like oh look at that, that's adorable. Ugh. You know what? So gross. We'll we'll uh we'll end it there. I'm I I can't thank you enough for putting yourself through this, the, you know, reliving this mm. bizarre experience for for the sake of the listeners here at the DreamerCast. Honestly, I just want my, my main reason for all of this really to even coming out with this is because I don't know if anybody has had these types of experiences before 
not. Like people have seen, you know, people have had experiences with various cryptids, uh, you know, Wendigos and skinwalkers, but like, what is this? And has anybody else gone through it? And I hope that by saying something, other people will be emboldened to be like, yeah, this also has happened to me or something similar. Hmm. Because I can't have been the only one. You know, maybe one day I'll be able to get this story in front of more people. But Mm -hmm. so far, I'm looking at my... I've, I've, this is over 20,000 people have, have seen the original story. I have, it's like I 400 and something comments, which for my channel on YouTube, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, that's a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, there's no one has come out and said that they, you know, they've had an experience quite like this one. And, I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, that's I certainly yeah. have not gotten a you know even a drop in the bucket of of the human population, let alone the number you know the people. The odds of someone yeah. who has seen something similar is in a first world country that has access or has access to YouTube and happens to find my channel and watch that video yeah. of out of a hundred and fifty videos right now. Okay. You know. Legit. It's it's extremely narrow that of a chance that that would I would happen to find that person, so there's there's hope out there, but so far the the search remains on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank thank you, man. I I appreciate you coming up and and telling this story again, and in it's so it's so much more impactful to hear it from your own mouth. It's it's crazy fascinating story and i i thank you again for for sharing it absolutely um thanks for the opportunity um yeah i hope uh i'll keep doing what you're doing and uh i uh hope to keep uh following you uh, i'm gonna go take a shower now because i feel gross no i bet I, I i think i'll i'll do the same you you enjoy the rest of your night lou thanks so much thanks, again man. same mistakes And there you have it, friends. Yet another fascinating look beyond the veil. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope I've convinced you to take another step or two down the rabbit hole. Make sure you subscribe to the DreamerCast, so you never miss out on our next unique journey into the realm of mystery. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to drop me a 5-star rating on iTunes. It really helps me out, and I would very much appreciate it. I'd love it if you shared the show with your friends and family. Anyone with a taste for the truly fascinating questions that we explore here. If you have a paranormal story of your own that you would like to share with me, head over to my website, MrXDreams.com, where you'll find a story submission page along with links to my merchandise, YouTube channel, and other ways to support the show. Until next time, my friends, I'm Mr. X Dreams, and I hope to see you again soon on the DreamerCast.